to Fire Talk, where we give you the latest news and updates in Southeastern University Athletics. I'm Drew Watson, Athletics Director at SEU. Our esteemed president and host, uh, Dr. Ingalls, is traveling today. He's on the road, so he won't be joining us. So hosting duties uh, fall on me, and I'm happy to be joined by Donnie Smith. How you doing, Donnie? Doing great. Glad to move up the depth chart a little bit. You get to shift over a seat uh, with Dr. Engel being out today, and then I get to uh, come out of the bullpen a little bit, come off of the uh, inactive list and get an appearance today. That's great. This is a completely different perspective on this show, sitting in this seat. You know, it just it just gives me, a, I guess it gives me a feel of what it what it's like to be Dr. Engel, and uh, it's a little intimidating, I have to say. I'll so, um, Okay, so a lot going on. Uh, some stuff people know about, some people, some stuff people don't know about. But what people may not know is your your favorite team in the NFL is the Chicago Bears, and uh, there's some things going on with that team. But but they had the uh, the 0 and 3 versus 0 and 3. Denver Broncos came to town after giving up 70 points and played your Bears. Uh, how are you feeling about that matchup today? Numb, I think, is the best way to put it. Uh, you know, after some of the storylines that you've seen over the past three to four weeks, I don't know that anything surprises you. Mm -hmm. uh, when you lose a defensive coordinator, there's rumors about um, federal authorities being involved in that. Uh, a lot of missed, uh, missed information and things like that going on. And then uh, infighting in the locker room, comments about assistant coaches, players that aren't being used right but really haven't been a factor in the league in three years, now are being told to just stay home and won't be active again on Thursday. Uh, really, uh, really some trying times there. So um, no surprise at uh, some of the results that you're seeing. Well, we, uh, you know, we know as as people who know you well that you're, you know, you're remote uh, during football season, especially a season like this is in danger at home. Is that is that correct? Is it it may fly, maybe maybe not. Um, I you learn to give up a little bit. Um, yeah. Not really a, a great trait to have, but uh, you can kind of write things off and and start already looking to April to where you could have the top two picks in the NFL draft, but then you question the people that are going to be making those picks, and uh, it's really just a vicious circle. How long does your head coach survive here? Well, now that we don't have a defensive coordinator and he's kind of taken on those responsibilities, I don't I don't know what you do if you do fire him. So you, you can't afford to get rid of him and you can't afford to keep him. So uh, you just sit back and go 0-17 and, and hope that you get the right person in January. Now, your, your last good coach. Ditka? Wait, can you play the crickets, uh, the crickets down here? Did, Mike, Mike Ditka? Ditka. 1985. Okay, let's move on to, to yeah. maybe a happier topic. Uh, you and I were in Kansas City uh, Sunday, Monday, and yesterday for the NAI fall meetings. Uh, that was your first. That was your first trip there for those meetings. What did mm -hmm. you think? Yeah. Uh, just kind of came away grateful to be involved in that process. Um, you know, a lot of key decision makers in Kansas City last week to do some strategic planning and things like that. And just to have someone in the in the athletic communication sports information field uh, there and to be valued and to be heard, I thought was great. Uh, very humbling honor. Uh, appreciative of Southeastern, too, to allow us to, to be in these positions and be in leadership and go to these meetings. I've talked to some other colleagues to where the school doesn't really look fondly upon them getting involved in national organizations and things like that. Uh, they, for whatever reason, don't see the value in it, but uh, very appreciative of Southeastern for that opportunity and, and to basically be encouraged into to getting involved and in, in being in, in those meetings. Yeah, and you're, you're, the out, you're the past president, correct, of the, 
of the president. You're the you're the current president. Okay, so <clears throat> so you were there in that role, and you're right. I mean, a lot of colleges don't support their employees uh, getting involved at the national level, uh, but when you get involved, you you have a voice, and um, you know, and it was it was good to see you there. Now, uh, I am the past president of the ADA board, uh, and so. One of my roles at this meeting is to sit in on the in the pre, on the COP meeting on the president's meeting. So that was interesting, just yeah. to just to be part of that process. And and I'll say that the you know one of the main um, uh, points of discussion with the presidents right now is membership. Mm-hmm. You know we've lost ten members in the NAI in the last year, five to to Division Two and five to just they closed. And so um, you know so for us for the, for the, for the NAI it's important to, to gain new members. And so. You know, we have a new uh, new director of member relations is Nick Davidson. He's on board and really a new position. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's really working. His full-time job is to figure out membership and, and gaining new members. And so uh, one of the points of, of conversation was that there are a lot of D3 members now talking to the NAI about, uh, you know, about about joining and just trying to work through, you know, D3 is a non-scholarship division and trying to get wrap their mind around, hey, we could offer scholarships, but not spend any more money. Right. And so that's been, and I know you were in on those meetings too. You know, you, you sat in and your role is in the COP meeting as well. So what were yeah. your thoughts on membership? Yeah, you get to to see things a little bit different and just kind of see how all the different parts of this work together. Uh, you know, we got to know Nick a little bit when he was at Northwood Kaiser, uh, incredibly bright, and he's yep. done a great job already kind of showing some of those D3 schools look, you can do this and offer scholarships and it actually won't cost you anymore. It actually might even be more efficient. Yeah. Uh, but just to see the the stress that uh, that group was putting on making sure we recruit new members and grow our membership, uh, I think is, is interesting. But also when you kind of look at the trickle down of that, it makes sense. Uh, we'll talk here in a little bit about a, a new member coming into the NAI and the yeah. Sun Conference uh, that was kind of part of that process. It'll help with travel. Uh, you, you get somebody that's going to be a little bit closer, so you don't have to go as far to fill out your schedule. Uh, and it and it just creates a better student-athlete experience. There's less missed class time, uh, the more compact you get. And then it, it's been a big trend in, in Division One right now, conference expansion mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, the chance to get geography to matter again, I, I think is kind of exciting when you look at conferences. We're starting to see some of that where conferences are getting kind of spread out. Yep. Uh, maybe the chance to make sure that the, the people joining leagues are doing it for the right reasons and make sure that they've got uh, quality members is going to be huge. Well, in the, in the athletic directors meeting, we talked about, you know, you've got these people out on Twitter or X, you know, just they put together like dream conferences or right. you know, they, 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 they imagine a little bit. And so what we've asked the, the national office to do is, is come up with a perfect conference alignment map. And, you know, there's other factors. It's not just geography. It's, 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 it's public versus private institutions. Sure. It's, it's some other things. But just to, be, to start to think outside the box and, okay, how could we maybe realign these conferences so it was more economically feasible and, and really fit membership better? Now, the other factor is, you know, I think the elephant in the room is what's happening with the NCAA and how the changes at the top of that organization are going to affect D3 schools. There's 405 right. Division three schools. And if funding is cut off all of a sudden in Division three, that's, that's sure. tough for them, and they're going to be looking for new homes. Yeah, you've got basically two championships that pay for 92 championships. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just kind of the model that, that works right now um, in Indianapolis. But, yeah, you're right. That that could make the NIA a lot more attractive for those Division three schools if 
you know, if basketball or football or, or that autonomy of five decide to go a different route just yeah. to make things a little bit easier for them. And honestly, the way that you've seen the summer play out, it may make sense for football to be its own entity at yeah. that point. I mean, if like, like the, the Big Ten to use for an example, you could send Rutgers to USC for a football game because it's one a week. You've yeah. got time to recover and then yeah. you've probably got a home game after that. But when it comes to Rutgers swimming or Rutgers softball or Rutgers tennis, do you want to send them to Los Angeles for a Wednesday game against USC, probably play Thursday against UCLA, and then travel home and maybe play Northwestern on Saturday? I don't know if that's a very good student-athlete experience. It's not. And academically, it's not feasible. If they're missing all that class time, I mean, right. it's, it's just it's tough. And as you mentioned, football is once a week. It's a little easier to fit. Bigger, obviously, sure. but a little, little easier to figure out just because of how it's scheduled. Now, you mentioned uh, new members. Okay, there were five new members that the COP approved uh, on Monday. Uh, Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, which they call ABAC, uh, Baptist Bible College in Missouri, uh, Defiance College in Ohio, Spartanburg Methodist College in South Carolina, and New College of Florida, which yeah. is in, South, in Sarasota. Uh, and so we, uh, we did a, a site visit. The Sun Conference did a site visit to New College uh, probably about a month ago. Uh, had a good meeting with our administration. And, uh, you know, Richard Corcoran, who's their president, used to be Speaker of the House in Florida. Uh, Mariano, Mariano Jimenez, uh, who's their AD and baseball coach, mm-hmm. uh, just put together a great presentation. And so they were announced as NAI members on Monday afternoon, but they are also the newest member of the Sun Conference. So we can congr- congratulate uh, Mariano, uh, Mario, and uh, just uh, and 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 Richard Corcoran on that accomplishment. Uh, we're excited to have a new school in the Sun Conference, and uh, looking forward to to watching them develop. Uh, have you have you seen? Uh, them play this year. I know they're playing in six sports this year. Have you seen them at all? Yeah, not quite. I think I'm going to head down there in a couple weeks for a soccer game just to kind of get the lay of the land and, and see it and everything. And, and how exciting is it to get a new member and get them within 90 minutes away yeah. uh, just down in Sarasota? So really easy trip. Uh, you know, I think back to when I came to Southeastern and we had Embry-Riddle about two hours away and then you had Weber and Warner less than an hour away each. Yep. Travel was really easy. You could easily make those on day trips. Then we started to spread out a little bit more more. Now to get somebody right in the middle of our geographic footprint is huge. Uh, really excited for them. Uh, just reading through some of the materials that they submitted from the site visit and everything, it uh, seemed like they had all their ducks in a row. Really, really comprehensive uh, packet that they put together made them really attractive right from the get-go. And this is their first year competing. So they've yeah. gone from zero to 100 pretty quick. And it's you know, you've seen it before. Sometimes startup programs, uh, this end up missing, this ends up missing. They try and uh, make things work. Uh, but no, they've, they've got great people involved. It's very well detail-oriented, and they've done a great job getting off the ground. Well, if you think about it, sometimes it's easier to build it from nothing than to take something that sure. was there and, and change it to what you want it to be. So, you know, I know, uh, and you referenced it, but, but sitting in the room with their leadership team, uh, it was quite evident that they've got their ducks in a row mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're putting something together that's going to be really special. And, you know, I won't mention any names, of course, but there's, there's, some, there's some schools that want to be in the Sun Conference, you know, who have established sports, who, who don't have it together like these guys do. And so, so just think about it. They don't have anything. And we're allowing them into the conference, right. you know, based on based on really their word, but the word is backed up by the people that I, that I met in the room. Mm-hmm. And I know Commissioner Wilkie 
and uh, you know, and and Dr. David Hogue at, at Warner, who was on the site visit team, Alfie, Dr. Alfie Farchman from Weber, we all felt that um, that the people in the room were why we believe in them, not necessarily the plan, because there can be a plan. You can have a plan, but if, unless the people in the room are at a level where they can implement the plan at a at a, a very high high level, then you know you're, you're, you you become a little bit uncertain of it. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge too. Like as you mentioned, there's plenty of other schools that would love to get involved and join and, and fit our footprint and everything, but you also want to make sure that you're getting the right people in. Right. Um, I think, uh, to reference the summer again, it was just kind of a of a grab. Who's available? Who can we get? What's it going to cost to get them, and what can they bring to us? Um, you don't necessarily want to do that, because if you have somebody that that's not ready to participate at that level and, and meet the standards that the conference yep. has put in, I think you're just asking for problems and across the board. And um, I know you've been a part of a lot of these conversations with, with Commissioner Wilkie. So it's it's great to see that all the things in, in the realm of higher education and college athletics are taken into account for these. Yeah. And they faced, you know, I, I don't think it's a secret. They've faced a lot of headwinds politically for what they're trying to do. And, and, and to see that the singular focus they have on not only athletics, but 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 building a university uh, that that is that is teaching people how to think, not what to think, is something that's that's really exciting to a lot of folks. And 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 the fact that they're facing those headwinds, but remain focused on their their mission as a university, mm-hmm. as as a college, and and also on their their goal to build athletic quality athletic department. It's really impressive. It's a really difficult academic school, too, and yeah. reading up on it and seeing some of the materials that were presented, 80% is passing. I mean, I'd probably yeah. still be in college if 80% was passing. And they're I'm, pass-fail. Right. And so so you either there's no A, B, C, D, E, uh, e F. Definitely not E. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you have a pass-fail. So, so, but like you said, it's 80. It's not 70. In most right. schools that are pass-fail, it's 70. And their entrance requirements are 3.5 GPA, you know, and, and by state law, they're only allowed to vary that 15 percent. And so uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how they build it. And uh, we're really excited and, and congratulate them on their membership in the Sun Conference. Definitely. Six sports now and, and plenty more to come in the next three years. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, we can get into that just a little bit. Uh, they plan to increase the 13 next fall, 18 in 2025, 21 in 2026 and 23 sports in 2027. Wow. So uh, if that's not ambitious, I don't know what is. So we wish them the best. All right, let's talk. Let's turn to fire athletics. And uh, the fire football team got an impressive conference win, conference opener, beating Warner 54 to nine. Uh, incredible way to open conference play. Was a great night offensively for the team from the get go. Yeah. Uh, as things just started clicking. I think that was probably one of the big takeaways, just the fast start on offense, um, start scoring on five of the six drives in the first half and, and really had a chance to score on that six one. Just time ran out. It started yeah. raining. I think uh, Coach Juan, his staff said, let's just get to the locker room, run right. this clock down. We're in good shape here. Otherwise, they probably would have gone six for six. And they started four of those drives on the Warner half of the field. So credit goes all the way around to the special teams and the defense as well uh, for taking care of the field position. Uh, I think the, the run game was probably the number one thing that I took away. They amassed 210 yards as a group. Uh, Nate Hayden didn't have to play in the second half. He was 15 to 17 for a pair of touchdowns. Uh, one that we're going to see here in a little bit uh, to Dominic Larry, who came off of a huge game. Well, you're ta- talking about Nate. I mean, Nate, the passing game has been kind of clunky. You know, it's it's there. The receivers are, receivers are open. Nate's not maybe getting enough time on some plays. 
but it all seemed to come together. You know, in that Faulkner game the week before, they're open receivers. He's getting pressured. It just it just was a little bit off. But right from the get-go, you know, they they were hit they were hitting on all cylinders in the pass game. You mentioned the run game, so it was really really impressive to see them you know finally come together offensively. Yeah, uh, Coach Wall after the game told me it seems like the group's kind of uh, you know we've got a new offensive coordinator coming into this year as well, and Mike Canales, uh, veteran coach, and he said it seems like it's starting to finally click with this group. They're yeah. buying into what he's telling them. Um, I think Coach Heldreth, our new offensive line coach, has done a great job with that group, um, getting in and, and getting them situated. They made some adjustments this week that you could tell paid off. Yep. Um, that was a big part of the run game, and also just giving Nate a little bit extra time to throw it. Well, and I, I don't. I I think you know this, but I I get the I get the privilege after each game to go down to the locker room, hear what coach says to the team. One of the one of the traditions that they've established since since uh, Coach Wall took over is, it, on in a win, they count the amount of points they beat the the opponent by. And so if they have a ten point win, they go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, you know, and and so fifty four to bit. nine, <laughs> they were counting up to forty five. So. <laughs> You know, say what you want to say about football players, but they 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 got it done when they were counting from one to forty-five. So <laughs> it was it was really impressive. Now um, you said we had a we have a clip here. Yeah, let's take a look at a couple of highlights uh, from the game. Uh, first, one of those touchdown passes in the first half. Another receiver getting open, Dominic Larry. Big third down, too. Uh, that yeah. was kind of an emphasis, I think, coming into this game as well. Those money downs, getting off the field on defense on third down, keeping drives alive on offense. And then you're going to watch a little bit of history here. In This is our 10th season of college football, and this is the first kickoff return for a touchdown in program history coming out of a basically hour and a half halftime because yeah. of the lightning delay. And Dominic Larry picks up where he lefts off and takes it 85 yards to pay dirt. Uh, no, no slowing on this team either coming out of that lightning delay. Even joked with Coach Wall a little bit after the game. It's like, okay, let's talk offense. Let's talk defense. What were some of the keys that you saw? Uh, what do you like to do during a lightning delay? Because you're, you're an old veteran at this now. It's like, well, we, we let them relax, let them have their phones and had a good time, let them let, let loose a little bit. But then when we saw it was going to be uh, time to go back out, we were going to get this thing back on the road. It was time to get them focused and get them going again. And they obviously uh, know how to handle that after the situation. Situation at Reinhardt going into a delay twice uh, yep. came out didn't miss a beat. Well, it's interesting when that when that you're watching the lightning you know lightning timer right sure do. get down six minutes five minutes. It's like a stock ticker. And when the clear is like I was up in the press box and when the clear was given you could hear under you could hear that the players just just go nuts but for both teams yeah you know because you know they, they want to play football and so it was it was really good. So what's next for the team? Another big rivalry game. This time it's going to be uh, over on the banks of uh, Crooked Lake when they take on Weber International 130 on Saturday. Uh, obviously, the, the kids are going to be fired up for this one, coming off of a tough loss to them last year at our place. So I'm sure they want to repay that this year. Uh, team that's had some ups and downs. Uh, one win on the schedule this year against St. Andrews. Uh, but it's a defense that's been kind of opportunistic. They have multiple takeaways in every game this year. So uh, definitely not going to be easy if you just look at the win-loss record. Uh, they're going to have to take care of the football if they want to win well and there's some south some former southeastern players on that team you know and and coach coach Vinny's over there and so uh you know it's going to be very interesting you know dq's over there on the, mm -hmm. on the defensive line so you know it's going to be interesting to see you know them them you know the fire match up against some of their some some former fire sure. oh, sorry so it should be should be good all right let's turn to women's soccer they won two conference matchups last week 
beating Florida Memorial 4-0 at home. And then went on the road to beat Weber 2-0. Another rain, another lightning delay for this team. They seem Whenever they go on the road, they seem yeah. to get lightning. Uh, they're hanging out consistently in top 25. This week they're at 14 with another poll coming out today. Earlier today they moved up to 13. Some okay. uh, reshuffling in the Sun Conference. Uh, Kaiser slipping a little bit. St. Thomas moving up. And then SCAD, the opponent tonight, moving up to 7. So uh, a top 15 battle coming up tonight uh, in Savannah. Uh, the women's team on the way up there now looking for a big game. Going to be a tough one. Uh, they're outstanding as well. Uh, 28 goals for only three against this season. Uh, two of those were in their season opener. So just like Southeastern, very, very stout defensively. So um, it it shapes up to be a low-scoring game, but those are usually the ones where you get multiple goals on each side. Yes. Uh, so, so how did the rankings? You said Scads at seven, we're at thirteen. Scads at seven, we're worse. at thirteen. I think Kaiser is seventeen and St. Thomas is nineteen. Okay. Uh, you know, if you look at the political polls, margin uh, margin of error could be one or two on that. In, yeah. in my account, just got a chance to glance at it real quick. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's great for the conference. If we can, you know, we put if we put four teams in the top twenty. You know, that says a lot about what we're doing in the Sun Conference. So, uh, okay, so not giving up a goal. Now, and on a recent sh- the, the show with Coach Roberts, Coach Caleb Roberts, a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about Michaela Owen. Right? She had another great week, um, uh, just just amazing, and and shutting out two more opponents. Yeah, um, haven't given up a goal in Sun Conference play yet um, as a team. So uh, they've been outstanding, but the ball's also not getting back to, to Michaela very often. Uh, Kaylee Cooey, uh, Kendall Glover, and Olivia Knapp have been outstanding in the back row uh, for Coach Caleb and just making sure that opponents aren't on the ball very much. Well, you said they've, we've got SCAD tonight. Should be a good one. Who do we have Saturday? Uh, then you start lap number two in the Sun Conference. Uh, the teams that we played on the road, we're now going to play at home. The teams that we played on Wednesday, we're now going to play on Saturday. Uh, so you're going to see a lot more Saturday home games for the women, and they're going to start their second trip through against Ave Maria. Team that we had to score with, I think, 13 seconds to go yeah. to beat after a, a two-hour lightning delay or so. Um, had to sneak one by in the top shelf, and a great job by, by Naira Lopez to just fire that open shot from 20 yards out and get the win in that game. So uh, Ave Maria has played everybody at the top of the Sun Conference really well. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of frustrate you a little bit with what they do defensively. Their goalie's coming off a National Player of the Week uh, performance last week. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting if you just look at the win-loss records. You know, you, you hear the conversation on El Prado. Oh, you guys should be okay. Well, that's usually coming from a person who's not going to be involved in that game. Yes. Everybody's going to have a challenge in some way. Well, we talked about four teams in the top 20. Right. Ave Maria, as you said, I mean, they, they tied St. Thomas at zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they uh, you know, we, we beat them in the last 15 seconds. Yeah, tied 15 us for seconds. 89 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, so, so uh, that's not a game that, uh, that anyone needs to look over, right. you know, as we head into next week. Now, men's soccer, uh, last week was a full week for our team. Obviously, we had that, we completed the rain suspended game on Tuesday. But since our last podcast, they've gone one and one. Uh, they dropped the game two to one to Florida Memorial last week, and then Saturday we uh, we beat up on Weber three to one here at home. 
Yeah, tough physical game on Wednesday as well on that short turnaround. Then you've got to drive that hour south uh, to Miami Gardens. Yep. Uh, Florida Memorial, they were already a pretty solid Sun Conference team in men's soccer last year. Then you bring in a guy with a national championship ring. He's kind of able to uh, drive some more life into that roster. Um, and they were they were outstanding. Uh, just played a very physical brand of soccer uh, on the turf. So obviously that takes a lot out of you. Uh, and then you've got to go into a game against Weber International. You're county rival. Let's take a look at some of the highlights from that contest. Uh, thought the guys did great offensively, just driving in some goals. Uh, you see Jorge Villegas Jr. getting a header in there to, uh, to get the fire on the board first, one to nothing. Uh, pretty and hot so and humid afternoon that they had to battle through as well. Uh, you know, the weather always a factor here. And then getting a second goal from Gianluca Contegno. Really the three guys that scored in the game on Saturday, they're the top three on the team in points. So it was good to see those guys step up and, and take a key role in that contest. Because uh, you're right, that's that's the kind of game where maybe their record isn't as good as the teams that you had played earlier yeah. this week. You're in those games, and you you may have a tendency to sleepwalk through. But this is a, a more veteran team uh, that Coach Clay has. Yeah. Uh, they knew that they had to come out and compete. So it was good to see Hoke, uh, Jean-Luc, and Victor all come up with goals and come up with that win. Who's on the camera there? I mean, <laughs> we need to. <laughs> Going to have to make a call. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's a great day for the fire. Uh, you know, Weber's re record is not stellar. Okay, but as as we said about the women, anytime you take the field in this conference, mm -hmm. you got to be ready. So that moves men's soccer to five two and two on the year. Uh, what's this week look like? Yeah, SCAD at home tomorrow, uh, rare Thursday game uh, in the Sun Conference as uh, the Fire will take on 4-3-2 and two SCAD. Uh, and then they will start their second lap through the league as well. Uh, they will go to Ave Maria Saturday night. All right, well, hopefully we can get some folks out, uh, you know, both tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, tomorrow night against SCAD and then on Saturday night uh, as the women face Ave Maria. All right, let's talk about volleyball. They're, they are now 12-3. Yeah. Uh, Twelve and three on the season. They're coming off two big conference wins. It's always a good week when we can grab grab two of those. Sure. Uh, they beat Warner at home last Wednesday in four sets, winning three one, twenty five thirteen, twenty five twenty, twenty three twenty five, twenty five sixteen. So talk a little bit about this team. Yeah, I think the the one for me that that really kind of set it up was the way that they played on Saturday on the road at Kaiser. It was the first time they had won at Kaiser since September of 2018. Really hit very well as well. 302 yeah. as a team. Uh, Cambry Pope a monster day. Uh, 12 kills, 16 digs, and hit 458. Uh, Amelia Hawk, uh, Amelia Harding a 346 hitting percentage also had 12 kills. Uh, really just played well. Clicked on all cylinders. Swept them. Um, Kaiser always solid uh, in the Sun Conference and volleyball as of late. So huge win uh, for Coach Goldsberry and her group on Saturday. Well, what I noticed about this team, and by the way, that the Kaiser match was not close. You know, the, the scores ended up 25-22, 25-19, 25-23. But we were up big in, in all three of those sets. And, you know, what I've noticed about this team uh, is the mental toughness. You know, and, and nothing against anybody who played on this this program in the past. You know, but there was there were some times when we had we had leads and they just the other team just came back and beat us, uh, where maybe we lost the first two and there's just you know we're like, okay we're going to lose this one. But this team is not like that. There's a mental toughness with this, these folks, uh, and this team gets really focused. And and even in talking to Audrey, I, we were texting after the match, and uh, I, I I made a comment about well you almost dropped that third set, and her her response was we wouldn't have lost that set. 
because she knows the mental toughness of this team, and it's really it's really fun to see. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of maturity as well. This group's kind of been together for three years now, so yeah. took some lumps as freshmen, came up a little bit, um, played some key moments as sophomores last year. Now they know what college volleyball is like. They know who the big games in the Sun Conference are. They know when to be ready to go, and they've they've really put it together this year. Like you said, sitting at twelve and three, a um, couple big games this week as well. And you know, I mean, we talked a lot about the transfers on this show for volleyball, and we've talked about the returners. And and it's not often that you have that chemistry mm-hmm. that happens when you've got three three big transfers come in, and you've got a, a returning group. It's like, wait a minute, I've been here two years, I've been working really hard, but it's it's just a really unselfish approach that this team has taken this year, and you can see it paying off. Now you mentioned this week, what's coming up? Yeah, they start off uh, tonight against Ave Maria. They come in with an 8-9 and nine record. And then Saturday on the road, they take on Florida Memorial. A uh, little bit of a sparse schedule here in the early going for them. This will just be their, their eighth match that they play today. Huh. And then when they play us, uh, just their ninth match of the season. Well, good luck to the team. It's uh, another big week to try and keep it rolling. Sometimes these weeks are the toughest, Donnie, you yeah. know, because you look at the, like you said earlier, you look at the record and go, ah, we, we got these. And then somebody, you know, jumps up and gets you. But, you know, like we said, hopefully the mental toughness kicks in and we'll be okay. Uh, okay. So we're going to move to cross country. Before you talk about the team, I just want to say uh, after his appearance on the show last week, uh, Coach Kurtz uh, sent an email, you know, to, to the president and I just saying, hey, we do long runs on the Saturdays that we're, that we're not running and we don't have a meet. And uh, we do them over at uh, Circle B. And after they do their long run, which could, could be 8, 10, 14 mm-hmm. miles, uh, Coach cooks some breakfast. I think, I think when Coach retires, he's going to open like a cafe called like Kurtz's Corner you know, or something like that because yeah. it seems like he's always making breakfast. Uh, but I went over there Saturday. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just good to see the team – um, you know, getting out there, practicing, running hard on a weekend that they don't, that they're not in a meet, uh, and just bonding over breakfast. You know, some pancakes, eggs, uh, some sausage, and I mean, it, it, it was it was fun to see the team in that setting. And believe it or not, I've lived here 12 years. I've never been to Circle B. Oh man! And so I, I spent the time after they left. I, I walked. I walked. A, you did about the same a mile. route that they did, about 10, 12 miles or so. I did. No, I did not do that. And if I had, I would have been there till mid mid afternoon <laughs> or so. Uh, but I did try and walk a trail that the coach had recommended I walk, and maybe I'd see some gators. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that trail was closed because it's it's mating season, Donnie. I don't know if you knew that. Maybe we can talk about this next show. But it's mating season for the the, the alligators, okay. and so uh, not safe to be in that part of the park. So you know, I had to turn Understood. back. I had to turn back. But talk to us a little bit about what's up for cross country this week. Yeah, they're going to go uh, run in Charlotte at uh, the uh, Royals XC Challenge. Uh, this is a course that used to host the NAI National Championship. Uh, so going to be a lot of Division II teams, probably a lot of uh, Appalachian Athletic Conference teams that are going to make their way to this. Um, so almost a little bit of a, a mini national championship preview. You know, this is a big week. All across cross country, I think this is also Great Lakes Challenge. Um, so you're going to see a lot of regionalized meets where some of the key teams are going to go up against bigger fields. So this will be a chance to kind of see how they stack up um, and work on some bigger race strategy. Uh, we were at the national championship in Tallahassee last year, 300 plus in each race. 
Uh, so it's not quite the races that you're used to where you may only see like three or four other teams yeah. uh, and you have a chance to kind of, uh, of spread out or run with a certain people. Now you're going to be running in one massive group. There's not going to be a chance to move up a lot. So really working on what that looks like, um, especially for our women's team. You don't really have uh, a Julia Rome this year that's going to go run in the top 10 and be an All-American. Right. So this group's got to really stick together and run similar times. So this will be a chance for them to do that in a really large race and see how that works. Now, is, is the national meet still in Tallahassee? I think they're going back to uh, Fort Vancouver okay. uh, in the Pacific Northwest this year. Okay. So I'm hoping it comes back to Tallahassee. That was a phenomenal facility, phenomenal setup. And I, I was able to get there for that that Four meet. and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and part part of it. I was talking to one of the one of the guys on Saturday about this, but part of the challenge at cross country. How, how long does a men's race take? Uh, Twenty. I mean, the better people are going to be done in like twenty five ish minutes. Okay, so for nationals this year, we're going to be flying all the way across the continent to to, yep. to Washington to compete for twenty minutes. You know, and and that's always that's always you know, and, and different sports have different nuances. Sure. Uh, but you know, I, I'm sorry to see that go out west again because I, first of all, I think Tallahassee did a great job with it. They did, uh, and uh, and I would love to see it come back there. Now we'll, we'll turn to golf as our last sport. Um, you know, they're in their off season, their fall season, so we're on the road again right now. Yeah, uh, the men participated in the national preview, got a chance to see uh, the national championship course uh, in Dalton, Georgia. A little bit of a tough opening round. They ended up finishing eighth. Uh, Matthew Sosinek was eighth uh, on the individual okay. leaderboard, uh, was four over in the first round, but came back uh, with an even par and then a one over in the final round. Um, I think you know you talk about the, the mental toughness in some of the other sports. That's one where if you're playing 36 holes on Monday, that's tough. You know, if you have a yeah. first round that doesn't go your well, uh, doesn't go your way. If you hit a couple out of bounds, uh, as we tend to do a couple of times, uh, the scorecard doesn't look the way that you want. You've got to flush it away pretty quick because you've got another 18 and then another 18 the next morning. Um, so for, for Matthew to bounce back after, yeah. uh, you know, his expectations are pretty high. He, he's usually around even. Uh, so to be four over and then come back with two rounds that are a little bit closer was pretty impressive. Uh, then on the women's side, uh, they went to Cane Break in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, tough go around there. Uh, Marley Smith was our top finisher at 16th. Okay. So what's up up next for these teams? I think in two weeks they're headed to Ave Maria for uh, the Gyrene Invitational. I think this is the first time they've hosted one. So okay. uh, a little bit different look this time around. All right. Well, we're out of time. So thanks for joining me today, Donnie. Uh, and thanks for every, everyone for joining us. As we close the show, I want to remind you to come to our home games this week. Volleyball match tonight against Ave Maria at 7 p.m. Tomorrow, men's soccer against SCAD at 7. And on Saturday, women's soccer hosts Ave Maria at 7 p.m. Make sure you visit seufire.com for the latest news in fire athletics. You can find the event calendar there as well as a link to watch all of our home games. Good luck to all of our teams this week. Thanks, Donnie. You got it. Go fire.